The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Well, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, if you would join me in the book of Revelations as we continue looking at the seven churches, looking today uh, in chapter 2 and verse 8. I thank those who came out and supported our college and career, young adults, last night at the trivia night, the luau. It doesn't matter who won. But Paul, I thought we played well. You know, we played with integrity. That's what I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say about it. The, re- the rest of the crew got a little shady. Um, we, we tried to cheat a little bit, but we didn't. So we maintained integrity. But it was fun. Thank you for your generosity and your support. I hope it was successful. I'm excited for our kids to go and see the ark and see the truth about God's creation, uh, the, the historical timeline of dinosaurs and all of created beings. Um, but anyway, I look forward to hearing that. I haven't been able to make it, but all of those that have say it's absolutely tremendous. And I appreciate the interest in going, as it's certainly a timely, um, important venture. Well, if you're happy to be here, say amen. amen. If you're ready to fall for a fall, say amen. amen. Right on. You know what? I caught, we, we were mowing the other day about 2.30 in the afternoon, sweat rolling, and I realized I had arrived. It didn't slow me down. Here's the trick. You just can't think about it, folks. You just got to do it, not look back. So, I'm Cajun. (laughs) I've eaten enough of the food to qualify. Anyway, Revelations chapter 2 and verse 8. Excited uh, to get into this church as this church, known often as a suffering church, um, not hurting as in the unity of a church body, but suffering as a result of spiritual warfare. And so as we look at it t- today, I want you to notice that God really doesn't challenge or correct the church. He more or less encourages the church. And so as we go into this, there's going to be some spiritual, relational, psychological applications. Um, but God knows where we're at. And so when we look to the beginning of the book of Revelations there, as we set up the letters to the seven churches, remember his eyes were like fire. They saw and they burned away all the impurities to see the truth. So we can pretend a number of different things. We can pretend to love the Lord. We can pretend to love his church. But when the Lord looks at you, he knows exactly who you are and where you are. So when we get to the seven churches, no, he's speaking to the seven spiritual conditions of humanity. And so for the issue of suffering, it's not a matter of whether humanity will suffer, it's an issue of when. And so all of us go through suffering, we live in a fallen world, and also remember that God did not intend for us to live in a fallen world, so we're not emotionally equipped alone to handle a fallen world. And so for the church, in, in, our, in the past, we've been real unlikely and real hesitant to recommend or recognize things like depression and anxiety, which are a direct result of the brain just not making things work. Because we know this is not what we were created for, but this is a product of the fall. Now we can do all things through who strengthens us, 
But in the beginning, there was not supposed to be death. There was not supposed to be loneliness. A man or woman was not supposed to finish their days alone. A mother and father were not supposed to bury their children. So all of this is a product of the fall. And so when we look at the suffering church, it's not the hurting churches they hurt themselves. It's the fact of being faithful in a lost and a dying world. Well, I know you just had a seat, but if you're in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8, I'm going to ask you to stand out of recognition for His infallible, inerrant Word, serving as the final authority on all matters of faith. Just get my runway going. Here we go. Write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Thus says the first and the last. The one who was dead and came to... I know your affliction and poverty, but you are... What's it say? I know the slander of those who say they're Jews, but they're not. But rather they are a synagogue, a temple of Satan. But don't be afraid, church what you're about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you. And you will experience affliction for how many days? So just imagine the letter coming to you and telling you to prepare for affliction. In our human condition, what would be the question? Why am I being afflicted? How bad is the affliction going to be? What is the affliction going to cost me? He doesn't answer any of that, does he? He just says, get ready, affliction is coming. Satan is about to throw some of you into prison to test you, and you will experience affliction for ten days. Notice the timeline. Be faithful to the point of, and I will give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will never be harmed by the second death. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day and the occasion we have, the privilege we have, together as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Lord, I pray that our time together is inspirational. Lord, that it is convicting, not that it brings guilt or shame, but that the Holy Spirit convicts, guides, restores. Lord, that leads us to repentance. And if any of us, Lord, have suffered in the past or in a time of suffering and pain now, may we listen to the truth of Your Word. May we not question Your sovereignty, but trust Your intention and the purification process of sanctification. And to this end, may all glory, honor, and praise go to the One who is ultimately deserving, Jesus Christ. And it is in His name, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. Amen. You be seated, friend. So we first see, title this morning, Suffering Saints. Number one, perception versus reality. And let's look at, well, let's go back to eight. Right to the angel of the church. Now I want to go back to seven first, because the preface is let anyone, right to the letter before, let anyone who has an ear. So that, that text, that statement, and it closes this letter, needs to call us to attention. That remember, the bronze feet, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator, the sustainer, the revelator, Jesus Christ is the one who's watching. And he's the one who knows. So we've got to kind of come to terms with, you can't fake Jesus, right? 
You can't pretend to be something you're not. He knows what you know about you that no one else knows. And he still loves us. Let's get, let's get into that. So there's no hiding. He knows the darkest recesses, the deepest secrets. You cannot fool a sovereign king. Write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Thus says the first and the last. Again, he's just saying, hey, this is not just anybody. This is the man, the God-man that's speaking to you. He uses this again to get the church's attention lest we brush it off as we often do with Scripture. How many of you believe this is the inerrant, infallible word of the Almighty? Say amen. Amen. Okay. Tough question. How many of you would say that you at least apply... Well, if it's the word of God, I think it would come with a certain amount of inherent authority. You'd say you, you hit 95% of its truths in your life. So, you see what he's saying? Church, I know where you're at. I know you're going to pretend like this doesn't apply to you, but it does. I know you're going to roll up in here in the church and you Sunday get up. You're going to shake hands and smile and pretend everything's okay. Like you got your life together. But the one who sees knows it's not the case. So it's probably most fair that we all just say, what is that? I don't have all my monkeys in a row and some of them may be ducks. <laughs> I mean... Right, that, that nothing's together. This, this whole world is confusing, it's frustrating, it's hurtful. And if, if it weren't for Jesus Christ, I don't think I could make it. Anybody else say amen to that? So let, let's just come to terms, even playing field, because he knows. Verse 9, I know your affliction. Now, interesting, the better Greek word for the word affliction or tribulation is pressure. Hmm. You ever felt pressure, stress, right? Have you ever heard of something called a stress fracture on a building, boat? You don't know boats around here. That that pressure from the outside can be so unbearable in other places, he said, right? You can be perplexed but not destroyed, So this pressure, and we all feel this pressure and this impending pressure because Scripture says the earth is waiting its redemption. It's awaiting the second coming of Jesus Christ with birth. Pains. Pressure. So all of creation is feeling the same pressure. No, this should not be going in this way. No, these things should not be happening. And so he says, church, I know You don't have to pretend with me. I know I've watched this. I watched sin enter the world. I watched all the pain, all the complications, all the frustrations, all the despair upon humanity that I never intended. I've watched it all. And it's more pressure than you can carry alone. Let's keep going. But, so he says, I know your affliction and poverty. Now, why was the church feeling pressure and poverty? Well, right about this time, we don't know exactly when the church of Smyrna started. We don't know exactly who planted it. But we do know it was in the Roman Empire. 
And the Roman Empire required the churches in the area, any religious group, to worship the emperor. And so the church at Smyrna was more or less politically divisive or political rebels. And so the government of the the Roman Empire was putting pressure, alienating and suffocating the church at Smyrna. Right? The one thing, if a church, if an entity doesn't have money, doesn't have jobs, then they can't function. Watch what's about to happen to our churches. Just watch. That pressure, do you realize that you're being labeled domestic terrorists for believing the infallible inerrant word of the Almighty? The patriots. Those who fought in our wars and sat in our pews are being labeled domestic terrorists? That's the greatest level of foolishness and absurdity I've ever heard in my life. The men and women that built this country are now the ones the country's turning against. Well, so the church was going through some pressure, right? Some affliction and poverty. The people were labeled. They couldn't get jobs. They couldn't function. But God says you're rich. Notice that God's determination of your welfare doesn't have to do with your bank account. But His favor on your life. They may not have had, and we often equate that, right? The the more a person's been given, the more they can be trusted with. Well, in this case, these folks were barely getting by. They're having to do the potluck thing just to survive. Sharing everything, functioning as a church was supposed to. And it says, while you may think that there's poverty and pressure, you're rich because you have what no other church in here has, and that's that you're being absolutely faithful. I've blessed them with tremendous blessings, but Smyrna, you, while you're suffering, you remain faithful. May it be said of each of us that in light of hardship or in seasons of blessings that we remain ultimately faithful. It says, I know your affliction and poverty, but you're rich. Let's go on. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Just because someone can attend a church, just because someone can make a claim. So you have those that are claiming to be Jews, but what they're actually doing is participating in the emperor worship, in the worship of all the polytheistic gods that you can think of that the Romans could develop. So he's saying... I know the slander. Now, what was the slander? Well, here's what the church, the unbelieving Jews, what is an unbelieving Jew? A Jew who did not recognize the person, sacrifice, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? So they they claimed and they accused the church at Smyrna because the church at Smyrna was embracing monotheism under the umbrella of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Everyone understand that? Say amen. All right. So they're they're getting right persecuted. Everyone's turning against them. Here's what the Jews said. Right, the unbelie- unbelieving Jews said about the believing Jews of the church. Number one, they were cannibalistic. Catch how crazy these accusations are. How are they cannibalistic? Well, they participate in the Lord's Supper. 
They actually pretend like they're eating the body and drinking the blood of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to think about the accusations that have been brought against God's people through the years. Nazi time, right? Holocaust. The accusations that are being brought today. Let's keep going. They called them immoral. You know where they got this? This is stretching. The scripture says, right, to greet each other with a holy... So the unbelieving Jews were saying, you people are immoral because you're kissing each other. Now, they didn't visit the fact that some of their idolistic rituals involved absolute pornographic images and sexual immorality. But the church is wrong. You see, the hypocrisy, the slander. Here's another one they said, you're breaking up homes. You're destroying families. Because when we have a family over here, a Roman family or even a Jewish family, unbelieving Jewish family, and they're worshiping this pantheon of gods, and then they come to Christ, then that spouse becomes monotheistic, recognizing only one God in three persons, the Father, Son, and... Then it splits a family. Because the polytheistic can no longer live with a monotheistic, and so your religion divides families. Now, Scripture does not give any Christian the right to leave an unbelieving spouse. It recognizes the unbelieving spouse's potential desire to leave, and if they leave, then that person is free to remarry. Okay, but nowhere in God's word does it say when you come to Christ, you can leave your lost family. Nowhere. So they were accused of being family destroyers. Also, they were accused of being atheists because they rejected the pantheon of deities in the Roman Empire and Roman emperor worship. Last, they were accused of inciting political rebellion because their morality did not line up with the morality of their country. Hello? You get where I'm going with this? So all these accusations, I mean, political rebellion, I guess you could say, but they weren't inciting rebellion. They were over here doing church, keeping the peace. And the Roman Empire come after them to shut them down. And the claims were absurd. They're cannibals. How do you eat a piece of bread and be a cannibal? I can pretend that cannibals, the piece of bread's a dragon. Does that make me a dragon eater? No, it doesn't. We don't believe in transubstantiation. It does not actually become. It is a symbol of. So let's keep going. Now we get into the issue of pain. So God says, I know what's going on around you, church. I am well aware of the world you're living in. I know the rebellion of humanity. I know the political condition of your nation. I know that men have created idols, and we're studying this on Sunday nights. That men have created four-footed 
become humanistic, self-serving, evil men, imposters, from bad to worse, deceiving to being deceived. I know, he says. Church, I know. He says, so guys, I don't want you to be afraid. Mm. Fear is not part of the equation for the saint. But do you know, I think fear is one of the biggest forms of idolatry and humanistic worship we know. I mean, I love to fear. I'm just going to be honest. When I get afraid of something, it gets me worked up. And I like to be worked up. I mean, it gets the blood flowing. Y'all ever just gets the blood flowing? Gets me worked up. And then when I get worked up, man, I get worked up more. And before long, right, I'm not sleeping all night because the aliens or the zombies going to get me. And I know neither one exists. We begin to create and fabricate realities that don't exist. So he's saying, hey, I'm about to tell you what. Ouch! Listen to this. I'm about to tell you what's going to happen. And I don't want you getting afraid. Do you not know that's what the book of Revelation is all about? So it says, hey church, I know you've gone through some mess. And listen to this, it don't seem fair. Now what you're about to go through is is a necessary part of your maturing. In my revelation to you of my love and sovereignty in the process of sanctification. Church, I want you to come see me, but you ain't done yet. There's some more you're going to have to go through. Now, we believe that all, th- all, right, every, all things that work together for the good of those that, right, that love him are called according to his purpose. So, church, I need you to remember, I know you've gone through this hardship. You don't think it's fair, but you're not done. Now, this is about to come full circle. I'm going to let you be tested. Church, I'm in control, and you need to remember that, but I'm going to turn Satan loose. Well, that ain't fair. I'd rather them turn him loose on me on occasion than the whole time. Does that make sense? I can't speak to what's fair for a sovereign God. He does what is just, righteous, and holy. So he says, church, you've been through a hard time, but I'm about to turn him loose, and you're going to be imprisoned for. Ten days. Ten days. Notice God chose a day to turn him loose and he chose a day to wrap him back up. Satan has no power and no freedom that he is not given by the sovereign creator. And so, think for the church, let's think like us. Like They're, they're, they're people too. They were people too. That had marriages and families, possessions. Well, what's this going to cost me? Ten days. Is it exactly ten days? Or is it like nine and a half? Right? We're already negotiating. And he said, right, the, the sovereign creator said, don't be. Right. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and I don't want you to worry about nothing because I got my hand on it. Well, ten days, Lord, that's, that's a. That's a week and a half. So, what what all is going to happen to us? What is that? That's a seed of fear, isn't it? When he says, don't be afraid, I'm supposed to what? Not be afraid. Trust him. 
right? Instead, the way this thing works is I'm thinking through every possibility of what in prison, what am I going to eat? I mean, that's an issue, right? Is the water going to be clean? Because y'all know a little bit of germ thing going on. I don't want no sewage water, right? Here's another one. Am I going to get to bathe? I mean, I'm just telling you, I'm a human being, so these are going through. So the church at Smyrna is thinking the same thing. And he says, guys, here's the deal. Ten days, and then it's over. Now, we've all been through trials and tribulations. I don't know that Satan was turned loose on you, but I can guarantee you the pressures of a fallen world have been. And so let's think through this. Ten days finite period of time that the Lord tells us we may and will go through suffering. To what extent? I would say there's a lot of people who have suffered more than I have. I would say there's people who have suffered less than I have. You see, the suffering is relative to the sanctification. So I can't say, and this is where we often go, Lord, what happened to me when I was a kid? What happened to me growing up? What happened to me as an adult? What happened to me as later in life? Right? The, whatever it was, sickness, death, what, whatever wasn't fair. The church at Smyrna could say that, couldn't they? Here's what we do. Here's what I do. I take my ten days. Yes, Lord. I love you. Hallelujah. I barely make it through my 10 days, and then I stay mad about it for 10 years. Lord, it wasn't fair. That shouldn't happen to me. It shouldn't happen to my family. You told me not to be afraid. I don't know if I wasn't just afraid or I was just arrogant. I didn't trust you. But either way, I, I made it through those 10 days, and, and now I'm still mad. So the Lord's saying, Smyrna, listen. Saint, listen. You're going to suffer for a time, and I dictate that time. And when that time is over, you're free. Now, whether you live free or not is a different story. I'm going to imprison you, church. I'm going to turn you over. And then in 10 days, you're going to be set free. But you can choose to live in that pain and those memories and, and waller and self-pity and anger at the Lord that the 10 days ever happened because you didn't deserve it. I do. I do. I've rebelled against the Lord about every chance I've ever been given. When entrusted with something special and sacred and beautiful, I tend to mess it up. And then I'm mad. I'm mad as fire when things don't go just the way I want them. Friend, you see, we're doing the same thing Adam and Eve did. We talked about this last week. We're playing God rather than surrendering to God. Let's keep going. You're about to suffer. Look, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison to test you. And you'll experience affliction. You're going to go through the pressure, hardship for 10 days. It's limited. Be faithful to the point of... Say, what? 
Lord, I, I don't know where this dying part came into this. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer, but it is you who lives in or through me. That was the deal. Be faithful to the point of death. Life, what a beautiful gift. Ten days. You're supposed to be faithful the whole thing. But you still dwelling on what happened during them ten days. And, and, and I told you it was going to happen. Church, you're caught up in the in-between Rather than knowing the end is near, your suffering's about over. Get over it. Get ready to go meet the king in glory. Don't be afraid no more. Get your head up. Quit pouting. Quit whining. Quit belly aching. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. He told you exactly what was going to happen. How many times? You know what bothers me when I watch a good movie? Watching it twice. I know everything that's about to happen. You know everything that's... There's no surprises. There's nothing going to jump out of the closet and get you no more, right? Do y'all realize I have stuff with things coming out of the closet getting me? It's, it's a thing. I go to counseling. Eleven. Let anyone... Wait, wait, back up. Be faithful to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life. We've got to wrap this up. This is not saying that if you don't, you're going to lose your salvation. What this is, is in heaven there will be rewards or lack thereof. And so the crown of life is he told me there's going to be persecution and hardships coming. And he told me not to be afraid. And I'm supposed to embrace these hardships, not in fear, but in faith. And I don't like that, do you? None of this appeals to me. Do you really, does it appeal to you? No. I don't like none of this. But it's his words. Whether I like it or not, it should govern and dictate the attitudes and actions of my life. So when I walk into heaven, when you walk into heaven, there's going to be rewards and the crown of life. This is not a crown like royalty. It's a crown like a reward, like an Olympic medal. And if you didn't win it, it doesn't mean you're going to hell. It means that he recognizes, he doesn't worship, he just rewards your faithfulness, even if it meant to the point of death. Friend, you've got to realize, 10 days in prison, you can starve to death 10 days, I can starve to death in 10 hours. I mean, a lot can happen, right? So the crown of life is, when I get there and I walk in, surrounded by the multitudes, Moses, Paul, Right? All, Tim, all these guys. And the crown of life is given. And my name is called. And the crown is given or not. The, the dictating factor will be how did I handle the 10 days? Not how well did I enjoy my whole life, but. The ten days he told me not to be afraid. How did I handle the hardship? I sure don't want to go through any of it again. But often I feel like I need to redo it.
So whether it's a loss of a loved one, loss of a child, whether it's affairs, divorce, financial struggle, failure of a business, just not reaching hopes and dreams, whatever that 10 days looks like, friend, or whether it's the 10 days that are coming, you're going to go through it. Now you can stay in it or you can walk out of there free, forgiving and having the faith that he is in control. This is where we close. Let anyone who has ears hear to listen what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will never be harmed by the second death. It's not saying, again, you're going to lose your salvation. And the, sec- the, right, the, f- the first death is physical. The second death is spiritual. And we're not saying annihilation. Christians do not believe in annihilation. Annihilation means your body is buried, you no longer exist. What it's saying is you will live a conscious, eternal damnation separated from the person of Jesus Christ without the hope and the acceptance of the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the time that we've had together. I pray that it has been enlightening, encouraging. And Lord, that my words have not offended, but your Spirit has dealt with each of our hearts. And Lord, I'd ask that you would forgive me for the way I have perceived and responded to the ten days. Lord, I have found no joy in suffering. And I've struggled to find faith in the finiteness of its existence. And Lord, so to empower us and to justify our actions, we live in self-pity. Lord, ten days is nothing compared to an eternity. So Lord, I pray that each of us would walk away knowing the ten days may be on the horizon and we need not be afraid. Or the ten days may be in the past and we need to come on out free. We need to heal and move on. There is a beautiful eternity awaiting us. And Lord, I thank you that your hand is over our suffering. Your love governs our suffering. Your knowledge of us organizes and orchestrates exactly what we each need to serve you freely and faithfully. Lord, in the next few moments, I pray that if anyone here does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, they would settle that this morning to avoid the second death. Lord, for the rest of us, you've told us that the church is going through a time of hurting. Lord, just as the church in Smyrna was persecuted, it rests on our horizon. But Lord, you've told us what's happening. <laughs> These days are numbered. These days are numbered. If any of us have li- are living in fear or anger, Lord, I pray that we would leave that in the pew or at the altar. Lord, you do. You move in the hearts of your people. Amen. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. 
For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.